Let's go in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We'll begin there in verse 1. And uh, I would just like to say that I missed y'all last week. Uh, I was in Fort Sumner, New Mexico, preaching a revival meeting. And just, just as a little straw poll here, how many of you have ever heard of Fort Sumner, New Mexico? Can I see your hand? Really? There's, all right. Um, how many of you have ever heard of a guy named uh, Billy the Kid? Okay, it's actually the town where Billy the Kid was shot and killed uh, by Pat Garrett and was able to go there and see his grave. And it was smack dab in the middle of cowboy country. And before the knives and tomahawks start being thrown, um, not the Dallas Cowboys, actual cowboys. All right, and so... uh, And so I went there and I was able to preach eight times between Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday during lunch, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at night. And so, man, by the time Wednesday night got here, I didn't even know my name. Uh, It was just, but here's the thing. Um, It was in the middle of cowboy country, and some of the guys even wore their spurs into church. Man, it was the coolest thing you hear, chink. Ching, ching. I mean, I think that's going to be what heaven sounds like a little bit. And so the, it was just a lot, I mean, a lot of ranchers and guys who were into farming. I mean, just really just, I mean, had world-class mustaches. Um, and I went, and, and just, just so that you know, I, I don't go on every uh, speaking engagement that people say, hey, we'd like to... For you to come and speak at this event or this location because my primary responsibility is here at Rocky Mount Baptist Church but I really sensed that it was going to be a good opportunity to go and share the word and man they, they packed out that the, the building like every every service it was amazing and the response during the invitation times people would just come and they would talk to the pastor and they would pray and on the final night like half of the youth group came forward and and they just asked the pastor they said and they they grabbed me too they said we would like you guys just to pray for us that we'll be able to reach our school for christ and it was awesome. There's this one, I mean, he, he looked like he's straight out of a Western, great guy. His name is Tyson, come to the Lord not long ago. And he came and he grabbed me during the invitation uh, one of the nights. And he grabbed the pastor and he says, I want it all. Talked about being a godly man. And he says, I, I know Jesus, but I want everything that he has for me. And just present myself before him, a tool to be used for his glory. So that was awesome. And then something that actually a public school personnel freaked me out. I was supposed to talk to the students during lunch on Wednesday. Well, they said that the location has been changed from the church to the actual high school. I'm like, I'm cool with that. We can do that. And then I'm told like five, ten minutes before, oh yeah, this is an FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, lunch, a pizza lunch, but probably the whole high school is going to be here. And I went, oh. And they're like, what? I was like, that changes things. 
It changes your message from when you're going to talk to a core group of like 15, 20 kids to where the whole high school's coming, you know, and they got guys that look like they should be in college on the football team. How are you, sir? And by the way, whenever you see these young guys, it's so awesome because they're so proud of how jacked they are. When they give you the handshake, they almost catch a glimpse of their biceps when they do that just to get the full visual uh, stimulation, just the, the flex there. So, I mean, it's just like, and the middle schoolers came too. They're on the same campus. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, so what? So he's like, yeah, you got 15 minutes and 20 minutes to preach. I was like, you mean like preach? He's like, yeah, just tell them about Jesus. And in a public school in the United States of America, and I talked to, there were some school staff. I was like, so this is, this is, and I'm just trying to like clarify, not that you ever, you know, water down the word, but I just want to know what was going on. Because that doesn't happen. They said, you, this is an SCA event, but the kids here have so much rapport with the rest of their students and their classmates that all of them, like literally most everybody in the school came. So I'm there, and it's in like this, uh, this, this drama hall, and they've got metal chairs set up all over the place, and they hand me a mic. So we changed the sermon and just gave them Jesus. It wasn't a, uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And you say, well, Jeff, what were you going to give them before you changed the sermon to give them Jesus, right? I was just going to encourage them to give Jesus to other people. But when you have a huge group like that, it's an awesome time just to go shotgun approach, man, and just spread the word. So seriously, thank you all so much for having a vision, not just for Rocky Mount Baptist Church, for, for, but time to time allowing me to be able to do uh, stuff like that. And I even sent Michael Thompson a picture of me in cowboy boots out in the middle of the field, and I said, you would absolutely love this because he is our resident cowboy here at Rocky Mount Baptist. And uh, so once again, I appreciate everybody making visits here this past week that I was not able to make. Um, Brother Pat preaching in the band and other musicians and singers doing such a fantastic job. But I'm glad to be back in Virginia. So let's take our Bibles. We come to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to go verses 1 through 4 here this morning. And the title of our message today is Black Ops Service. And we'll break that down once we read through uh, these verses here. So let's get to work. Verse 1, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, notice there's an assumption there. When, not if. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you, and the idea is to reward you not in secret. So the main idea here for our message as we start off this morning is that secret giving Secret sacrifice for Jesus. The things that you do for Jesus that no one else knows that you do for him. Whether that is giving encouragement, whether it's writing a card, whether it's praying, whether it's giving a financial gift. The things that you do that are off the books, that is a sign that you are living for an audience of one. 
Now, there's a very popular video game called Black Ops. All right, we've got a man who's not ashamed. All right, and, and Black Ops, there's one, two, and three. Is Black Ops four out now? Only one and two. Okay, thank you. Uh, we, so it's Black Ops 2. For some reason, I thought it was 3. So we've got Black Ops. I mean, that's not just students that are in middle school and high school. That's grown men absolutely engrossed in that game. So you do special operations. And by nature, by definition, a Black Op is something that you do for your side, for your government, for your army. But it's not actually on the books. It's where you do it in secret. It's kind of like the clandestine operations of the CIA. And if you watch the History Channel or the Military Channel, you know that there's some things that come out decades later that have been, they use the word, declassified. Something that for years and decades, no one else except for that small, special unit of soldiers or operators know what happened until later, once the conflict is over, once there's been a regime change, then they kind of open up those files. And what's very interesting, if you've studied it all, the history of covert operations, especially in Vietnam, we knew that we had American troops at some times in Cambodia and in Laos, but that couldn't be publicized because we weren't supposed to be there, but their presence there actually supported the troops that were actually in Vietnam. For example, imagine if you were on a mission like that. Your family says, where are you going? You say, I can't say. They say, when will you be back? You say, I don't know. Even people that you served with in previous military units, it's almost like that wall of communication comes up. They know that you're no longer, quote unquote, in the old unit, but you can't tell them what you're doing now. And you go into hostile environments and you literally risk your life and do amazing things. And then you come back and guess who you can tell about it? No one. Only that small, special unit who was in there and those who have security clearance above them have knowledge of the sacrifice that was given. And Jesus presents us two alternatives. Number one is we could live a life of open service, doing things for Jesus, but doing them to get other people's attention. And Jesus says, if that's the reason why we serve him, we have our reward by the pat on the back. But he says, if you go the other way, if you go black ops in your service to such a point that when you give to people who are in need, that your right hand doesn't even know what your left hand is doing, he says that your father sees in secret. Now, before we really jump into this message, that should be an encouragement to you that every time you serve Jesus Christ, he notices. It means that when no one else notices and no one else cares, Jesus sees and he keeps a record of that and there will be a great reward. The great preacher D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, the Christian should always be anxious to know himself. The Christian should always be anxious to know himself. Now, if you're like me, you don't normally like hearing bad news, do you? Most of us don't look for bad news. We don't appreciate it when we hear it. But there is something in the Bible time and time again, and it could be compared to this. It could be compared to a heart check. 
You know, sometimes we need to go to the doctor just to get a, get a check, what, a, a checkup. Not that anything's super wrong. We will just want to make sure everything is working the way it should. As we walk through Matthew chapter 5, we, we covered subjects such as adultery and lust and divorce and being a man or a woman of your word, dealing with enemies, people that we want to get back at, and then even loving your enemies. And we came to the end of the chapter, verse 48, that says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. All of these amazing truths, and by the way, if you're trying to be perfect, here's a big news flash, you can never be perfect. That's why Jesus came and you need to trust in him and give him your life. Therefore, his perfection will be credited to your account and you will be, in the words of a lot of people in church today, you will become saved. You will be transformed and regenerated, born again by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is not a good book given to good people on how to live a good life. The Bible is a perfect book given to twisted people to show them how only Jesus lived a perfect life and to urge us to give all of our lives to him in faith. But when we come to chapter 6, it pivots. It begins to turn to where Jesus gives us very practical advice. And so regardless if you are here for maybe the first or second time, maybe church is new to you, or maybe you used to go back when you were a kid and you've recently started to come back to hear God's word and to sing praise to him, or maybe you've been serving in this church for years. There is often the need for a heart check, and it goes like this. Do we do what we do for Jesus and Jesus alone, or do we do what we do so that other people will notice? And we're going to look at several truths of, we could call it black ops service, as we walk through this passage. And number one comes from the first part of verse one there. And it's this, guard yourself against serving God to get praise or promotions from other people. Notice the word that Jesus uses here. He says, beware. To beware means to be in a continual state of readiness. For example, if you were in New Mexico and you were climbing on some of those rocky uh, hills there and they've got all of these holes and what likes to go inside the hole? A snake. Y'all okay? I saw a few people jump when I said the word. And you knew that there were rattlesnakes all in that area. You would beware more than if you were just taking a walk around the walking track in Wade Park out in the open. Jesus says to beware because the greater the danger, the greater the need is to be aware. Is it not? And that applies into all areas of life. Think about carbon monoxide, about how deadly it is because carbon monoxide itself, you can't actually smell it. There are many things in life that are dangerous that don't seem to be. And Jesus is pointing here saying, you could be serving me, you could be helping other people, but if the motives are such that we're doing it to be noticed by people, we are really worshiping the intoxicating idol of self-worship. There's a couple of other verses in the Bible to where this word beware is used. I'll give them to you. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. The Bible says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers 
to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his precious blood. So as a leader, as a pastor, as an elder, I'm supposed to pay careful attention to our spiritual health. Not only that, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16, the Bible says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. So what are we supposed to be aware of? Well, Jesus says there, beware of practicing your righteousness. Stop right there. Righteousness is a watershed word in the Bible for everything that is good before God. This is Jesus saying, look, righteousness is good stuff. In fact, we know in in Ephesians chapter 6 that we're clothed with the armor of God. And those of you that were coming to Rocky Mount Baptist a couple of years ago, you remember when we had the armor set here, right? With real swords. And some of you are thinking, oh my word. Do we have insurance to cover that, right? And we had everything strapped down so it was good. But you remember that the breastplate was symbolized, it was a symbol of righteousness. The breastplate covering the heart and the vital organs. What that means is that Jesus and his righteousness, which means to be in a right standing before God, when we get saved, all of his beauty, all of his credit comes to our account. So beware of doing good things for public applause from other people. Remember uh, growing up in church and my youngest brother was in a children's choir and uh, we don't have a children's choir at Rocky Mount Baptist Church because we love children. Come on, if you've been there, you know what I'm saying. And they were having their, their Christmas I don't know, Fred, they called it a cantata. It was more like a train wreck. And uh, because, I mean, and just bless those ladies' heart. They tried to do such a good job. And I know we have someone in here who has given years, uh, and you are the exception to, to not being a witch in children's choir. But for the rest of the ones who work in those types of things and hate children, you need Jesus. So, so after they had tortured the children for months on end with endless practices, all the children were up on the stage, and I just, I was studying this message, and I said, you know what, Jesus is cutting to the core of us doing things to get attention for other people. And do you know what my little brother did? He was maybe four, five, six. He saw me and my friends in the back. And being the youngest sibling, babies, y'all are the party animals. There are exceptions. Usually the firstborn show up like, okay, what's the order? Like, give me, give me, you know, we got to work this out. The babies show up and like, what's up? I mean, they're just ready. They're ready. The party is wherever they are. And so he sees us and he's like, it's my moment to shine. It's my moment. And so he begins to do, I mean, karate moves and dance moves and I mean, all sorts of stuff. And I mean, he's just pointing at us like doing stuff like that. And the choir director, she's trying to direct the rest of the kids, you know, and you've got little Charlie over here and he's digging for gold and this little kid, uh, I mean, he's focused on his grandma and this little kid just walks off and his grandpa tries to get him. It was awesome, awesome. And I thought about it, I said, you know, him doing that is, that just reveals that seeking attention is almost a part of the human condition, isn't it? Seeking attention from other people. Jesus is saying that we have to be careful of doing good things. Now notice this, so that we please ourselves from the applause of others. 
You see, if you, if you gloss over this passage, it seems like Jesus is saying, don't just do what you do so that people will give you high fives. But we have to ask the question, why? Because if we do what we do for Jesus to get high fives and applause from other people and pats on the back, it's actually we're doing it so that we'll get applause so that we'll feel better about ourselves. So Jesus is pulling back the curtain and saying, watch yourself, be careful, because if you're not careful, you can be involved in the things of God and thinking that you're serving him and thinking that you're helping other people. But if we, if we remove the mask and if we blew away the fog, we would really see on the center throne of your life, you're worshiping yourself. And he's saying, hold on, Pastor Jeff, I have been following. I have been paying attention. And I remember back in chapter 5, there in verse number 14 through 16, Jesus says this, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give your give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So it almost sounds like Jesus is saying, do things to be noticed, but then it's like he's saying, Don't do things to be noticed. Here's the difference. When Jesus says that you are a city on a hill and that people will see your good works and give glory to your Father, which is in heaven, Jesus is saying that there are things that he does call us to do publicly. One thing that he calls us to do publicly, if the screen was raised, we could see all of the baptistry back there. Jesus calls every person who repents and places their faith in him to be publicly baptized. There are no secret baptisms in the Bible. Amen? That's just what it teaches. So here's the thing. If you've never followed in believer's baptism, why don't you, and you know you've been saved, why don't you come forward in the invitation and say, you know what, I'm ready to be baptized and stand up for Jesus Christ. He calls us to publicly do that. And by doing that, we're saying, you know what, if we come with the right heart, I am not ashamed of Jesus. I will be baptized. I will, ladies, I will let everybody see me when my hair gets wet. Most men don't care. I, I, because I love Jesus and not because baptism saves me, not because it's holy water, it's a magical experience, but because I love him and he died for me naked on a tree in front of all these people. And he calls me to man, stand up and say, I'm going to be counted among the followers of Christ. So it is an honorable thing to be baptized for Jesus. Jesus also calls us to do other things publicly like preaching. I mean, wouldn't it be kind of weird if, if it was kind of like this? Say, well, let me preach the sermon, but let me be back in the hallway so nobody would see me. Because if they saw me, it may be a thing about, I don't know, egotism or something like that. No, Jesus calls us to do all sorts of things in a public manner. But notice that Jesus in Matthew 6, 1 through 4, is not talking about doing things publicly as much as he's talking about doing them publicly to be seen by other people. And there is a profound difference there. You see, the purpose behind, we could call it showy generosity, is to be seen by people. What Jesus is speaking of, once again, is doing what you do, doing good things so that you will 
you will be publicly noticed. Now, on, the, on the flight from Roanoke to, to Dallas, uh, I always try to bring up the gospel uh, with people on the plane. And the Lord allowed me to be able to sit by mostly believers on the flights there and all the way back. It was, it was really encouraging, actually. You know? And the thing is, if, if you're on a plane, this is a tip from your pastor, and you, you're able to explain the gospel to people, even if they're like really, you know, really antagonistic and really, you know, they're like hardcore atheists, not willing to talk, um, <laughs> they can't go anywhere. You know, I mean, don't tell them, say, well, there's the door. Like, I mean, that's not glorifying to Jesus. That's not acting in love. But, I mean, they either have the choice to go stand in the back by the restroom or sit down in their seats. You have a chance to to share Jesus with them. But on the first flight, uh, the guy sitting next to me in about five seconds fell asleep. And I'm just going to go ahead and share it. He fell asleep on my shoulder. (laughs) Scout's honor, man. I mean, this brother had been, I don't know, working some overtime, and I have never, I enjoy awkward situations, but not this. <laughs> not this. This even made me feel awkward. I'm there, and the brother, I mean, he's next to me, and, you know, it's like a young college student, too. I mean, he just goes out, and one of these, I mean, mouth wide open like an alligator, and just on my shoulder, like all, I mean, shoulder scrunching. So I didn't know what to do. I didn't know to wake him up and start sharing the gospel. I, and so I did the only thing I knew to do. I pulled out my cell phone and started taking pictures of us together. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not even kidding. And then, and then it was like the Lord said, stop it. Stop it. My point is there are some things that you just can't get out of. Some situations that it, it just is what it is. Because I, I don't want some of us who serve the Lord in a public way, whether that is whether that's singing or whether that's giving a testimony, whether our teachers in Rocky Mount Baptist Church, whether you uh, take care of the kids. And man, God has just blessed so much with the children's ministry. Can we just stop for a minute? I mean, let's give the Lord praise for that. Um, I think it was the, the week before last, we had, I think it was, what, 16 kids back there, and Betty, the person who's going to work with you, didn't show up, and so Betty's like, 16 kids? Awesome! And so she just ran with it, man. That is so cool. So I don't even remember where I was in the sermon, and so I got excited about that. So let's just go back to verse number one. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, is, Jesus is getting to the point, saying, look, do, do things for the glory of God, but do them, please hear me, this, this, this seems to be so simple, but do them for God. When you do things that are public service in the context of Christian ministry, know that God has placed you there to teach that lesson, to sing that song, to play that instrument for his glory. And so one thing that I so appreciate with the singers and with the musicians at Rocky Mount Baptist Church is whether you know them personally or not, none of what is done up here is done as a show. We want everything to be done in the spirit of excellence, but it is done to lead people in worship to Jesus. And some people have this reaction, and it's so unfortunate in the church. They say, well, I know, I know those people do a good job. I know my Sunday school teacher does a good job. I know the music minister does a good job and the band and the choir and the children's ministry. But if I, if I tell them good job, they're just going to get a big head. Listen, Satan told you that. Do you realize that every single person serving Jesus Christ today needs every ounce of encouragement they can possibly get? 
And when we say, I don't want to edify them, I don't want to build them up, I don't want to speak life and encourage them, that's saying more about yourself and your own pride than it is about them being afraid that they're going to, quote unquote, get prideful. We should encourage, man, this is so cool, especially if you're new in church and your significant other is here, your family member is here. You should, I mean, be a cheerleader. You could even be a male cheerleader on that one, man. You should be so excited. You should be praising every God-honoring step they take because God is worthy and every step they take closer to Christ will make your home a better place. And if you're a husband and wife, What an awesome opportunity to get creative with your affirming, with your love, with your encouragement, saying, I will build you up. I am for you. And I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care if you if you have to buy new clothes because you gain weight. I don't care if you start balding. I don't care if you wake up on the wrong side of the bed twice in a week. Guys, you come home and you, you say, honey, I don't, I don't mind if you want to go Old Testament on me and, and send up burn offerings, <laughs> you know, and like the, the fire department's coming to the house. Like, you know, listen, Jesus has forgiven me for so much and he has blessed me by giving you to fight the battle of life alongside. And so I love you and I care for you and I'm willing to encourage you rather than thinking that it's a competition and if you give them too much encouragement, then somehow they're going to think that they're too big for their britches. That is a lie from hell. Every single Jesus-loving follower needs encouragement. And not only that, go go back at verse 1 and 2. Notice Jesus is saying here, when you give to the needy, this is in your notes, there is an assumption of giving to the needy. Simply in the Old Testament and even in the pagan world to some degree, the way that you took care of the poor people was was an indication of how pious you actually were. Matthew chapter 25, who does Jesus say represents him? The people who can give you a job, right? The ones who can give you a raise. The baller shot collars in the community. No, no. He says... The least of these. Those who have nothing they can offer you in a temporal sense, money, promotion, fame, popularity. But he says, those are the ones who are my representatives. Then in James chapter 1 verse 27, if you're taking notes, a great verse to memorize. It speaks about that pure religion and undefiled is helping the widow and what's the other one, church? And the orphan in their time of distress. That is true righteousness when you look for people who don't have a way out. We had two of our men during Sunday school today go visit a young man who tried to commit suicide early this morning. Not going to say names, but I am so honored to be a part. And the young man is not a part of Rocky Mount Baptist Church, but they found out through a friend and they went during Sunday school, during Sunday school, to give them the hope of Jesus. And listen, if you make a visit during Sunday school hour to bring Jesus to someone who just gave up on life, that's an okay reason to miss Sunday school. Amen. I'm so honored to be a part of a church that cares for people, no matter what they're dressed like, no matter what they bring to the table. 
Not only that, but Jesus there in verse 1, we could say it this way, God does not reward publicity stunts of religious nature. Do not, Jesus says, sound your trumpet before you in the streets. I mean, that would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Imagine this. Imagine if we, and in some churches do it this way, and this is not a judgment on that that's up to their heart to do what the Lord leads them to do as far as the way it functions. But if we have the offering plate down here, and during the offering time, everybody got up out of your seat and brought it down, wouldn't it be kind of weird for somebody to bring in a trumpet? Lay on that sucker. And then when everybody's like, what just happened? Like the band just stopped playing? And then you kind of do one of these numbers. And then you're like, you, you like that? Y'all like some more of that? And then you reach back and you pull out a Benjamin and you're like, bam! And then you walk back to your seat. <laughs> Here's the thing. We're like, that was just very, very weird. But in a sense, that's what the Pharisees were doing in Jesus' day. They did what they did so that people would notice. Now, here's how the culture has shifted in the United States compared to Jesus' day. In our day, it's not popular to be overtly religious, is it? Like nobody wants to be known as that person who's very showy about religious things, about what they give, about all these things. We're kind of like in our culture, we're like, man, I don't, I don't want to do, like even, even sometimes people will say, I want to follow Jesus, but I'm not willing to stand in front of people at the end of an invitation. Man, just overcome the fear of man and woman and come and stand before people through the glory of God when he gives you a chance to do that. But in our culture, we don't like doing things up front invisible. So there's this, there's this delicate balance you see that Jesus is getting at between being a hermit for Jesus, which you really can't do, and then being a showboat on the other hand. And I'm just going to go ahead and take a stab at a sacred cow. We are an, a, an established church here, and in many established churches all across the United States, we have plaques on everything. Some of you are like, don't go there. Don't do it. We're going to go there. I have never been in a church before to where someone has on a plaque that says in memory and honor of Jesus. And what can happen is that if we don't do those types of things with the right motive, we can come, become so engrossed by, by what we, y'all with me, by what we have donated even for another person when all of this is for Christ. Everything here is in honor of Jesus. And the only thing sacred is the gospel. And sometimes we say, well, Jeff, if I don't do something to get people's attention, how will I get that, that notice and that, that praise and promotion? Write this down. Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, For not from the east or from the west nor from the wilderness comes lifting up or promotion. But it is God who ex executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. You see, here's the beautiful part as we bring it to a head. Jesus is saying, if you do what you do to get a benefit from another person, you're really saying that they are God. 
Instead of saying, you know what? I don't care if nobody thinks I give a dime. I will give, I will serve in the blackness of obscurity because I am giving to my heavenly father. And if I live my life in that way, it says, you know what? I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm living for Jesus. And man, if I'm living for Jesus, it is an honor to be able to serve him because he's the one who promotes me. He's the one who gives jobs and he's the ones, he's the one who takes jobs away. I just want to say this. God has been very, very good to us at Rocky Mount Baptist Church. We've seen people get saved. We've seen people join the church. We've seen life change, but I just want you to hear it from the horse's mouth. That is not because of Jeff Robinson. It is because of the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And there are a number of things I'm afraid of, like, you know, Bill, Bill Murray said about spiders. He said, it's not when you see the spider that's scary. It's when you can't see it anymore. Some of, some of y'all get that after lunch. It's all right. It's cool. There's, there are some things that concern me, but one thing I am terrified of is receiving praise because a lot of times they say pastors get credit and blame that they do not deserve. I don't want to take the credit for what God has done. Let me give you a verse to back that up. In Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 8, the Bible says, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I will give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Simply put, it is all Jesus, and I don't want to do anything to attract attention to myself, to say, look at what I have done, look at my church, because it's not my work, it's not my church, it's Jesus' work and it's his church because i fear sometimes when god really specially blesses a church and they begin to see life change and a drastic change in direction of the life of the church that sometimes those in leadership can say you know what we're doing a pretty good job absolutely not that's exactly what the israelites did and god judged them for that it's all because of jesus and it's all for him so finally, a couple of action points here. Number one, you say, Jeff, what do we do about this? Here's what you do. You give even if no one else notices or thanks you. And not only that, you give an expectancy of what God will do. Here's the way that you know if you're serving God or you're serving people. If you get thanked by someone from Rocky Mount Baptist Church, that's a good thing. We should give encouragement. But if you do what you do for Jesus Christ and no one thanks you, if you serve here in this church and no one thanks you and you get upset and mad, that is a sure sign that you're giving out of an ulterior motive, giving to get some praise, to get some type of adulation from someone else. May it be that we give and praise to Jesus. And you say, Jeff, how is it possible to give and sacrifice without human applause? It is possible because Christ followers seek Christ's favor and therefore, and please get this, anytime somebody encourages us, that's a supplement, but that's not the staple. The staple, the beans and cornbread, the meat and potatoes of why we do what we do is because Jesus Christ deserves that and he's worthy of that. And I like what Jerry Vines has said, and we've quoted this before. He says, if you do not do what you do for Jesus and Jesus alone, please hear this church, you will grow up to be a bitter 
old man or woman. And it is so sad because in my limited church ministry experience, I have talked to so many people and they are bitter because their church has not shown them the due appreciation that they think that they deserve. Do we want to encourage everybody? Absolutely. But man, may it be that we serve Jesus and Jesus alone because it is to him that we live and it's to him that all the glory is deserved. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we come to this time of of commitment. Our invitation, and it's an invitation because we're offering through what God has shown us in his word, offering a chance to respond. You say, Jeff, how can I respond to the gospel? You can respond in several ways. There are some of you that you have been saved. It may have been recently. It may have been a while ago. It may have been today. And you say, I am ready to follow Jesus. We're going to ask you that when we begin to sing this song about Christ, that you'll just get up out of your seat and walk down one of these aisles. And here's what we mean by doing that. You are saying, I'm coming forward and I'm ready to be baptized. You are ready to stand up for Christ and not be ashamed of him. We're just going to ask you to come and do that when we begin to sing. There may be some of you that you need to be saved right now. You need to turn from your sin. You need to turn from false religion. And you need to turn from trying to be good enough. In this moment right now, give your life to Christ. Admit that you can't be good enough and ask him to save you. There may be some of you that need to come and pray at the altar for someone that you care about in your life. There are others of you that you've been saved and you know that this is the church that God has for you. You've come, you've met folks, you've listened to the messages, you've sang the songs and you have prayed and the Holy Spirit has says, I want you to be a part of Rocky Mount Baptist Church. Why don't you come when we begin to sing? Father, would you take this invitation time and would you bring every person who needs to step out and make a commitment for you? And Lord, even the ones who are dealing with something that we didn't even address in the sermon today, that just say, I need to pray for that loved one, for that friend. Would you just give them the courage to come and just kneel the knee of humility and pray that you would intervene in their life? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.